Turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 and verse 7. Excuse me. We've been talking about the cost, right? We've been talking about the cost. And uh, which cost are we talking about? We're talking about the cost of being a Christian. What does it cost to be a Christian? What is that cost? Because it's important for us to know that because if we don't know the cost, then we might commit to something and we might not be able to fulfill it. Now, he wouldn't call us to be a Christian if we didn't have the ability to fulfill it. So all of us here that are hearing this can fulfill it. The question is, does our heart want to fulfill the cost of being a Christian? But, you know, according to the world and according to America, you can't hardly go down the street. There's very few people who wouldn't say that they were, that they were not going to heaven. Most people, when you talk to them, they believe they're going to heaven. We know that that's not the case from the word because either they're lying or Jesus is lying. And I got, a, I got an angle on it. I think, I think I know which one it is. It's not Jesus. So most people in America, though, they think that they are going to heaven. They think that they're Christian. And the Lord says it like this. He says that you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And and I would say it like this. Don't take it lightly. Don't just assume. But then he tells us that the believers will be known by their fruit, right? You can tell the root by the fruit. That was rhyming. Watch out, I'm about to, about to preach now. I just rhymed something. That don't happen often, right? You will know the root by the fruit that the tree produces. If it's a bad root, they'll produce bad fruit. In other words, what are we doing in this world? Are we just, are we, you know, really living this? Are we constantly not? I see a lot of people will take condemnation because they'll say, well, I'm not there yet. Well, if you're not there yet, I'm telling you that you can get there. You just need to maybe readjust some things. Don't take condemnation. Just take a change. Right? That's, that's it. But a lot of times what happens is we start to examine this and we find out we're not exactly where we think we should be because the fruit of where we should be means that we should be winning souls. We should be praying over people and seeing the reality of God show up in their lives. We should be leading them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, walking it out. We personally should be walking a life that's not beat up all the time. Why? Because the Lord is always leading us to triumph. So if our life is not going to triumph, then the question is, are we taking Him by the hand? Are we living the promise? that he's given to us or are we living a beat up life and if we're living a beat up life then what's the difference between us and the world and yet he told us that we should have the hope inside of us that people say why do you have so much hope because he said like this he said the hope that's in you you should be able to give an account for that means somebody sees the hope inside of you and says what's up with you why are you always joyful why are you always happy why are you always triumphant i don't understand 
And they can see stuff you're going through, but the stuff doesn't affect you because you're living in the triumph of God. Now, here's the question. Who, who has ever lived a life full of triumph and you never had one defeat and you always had hope? Who in this room lived that life? I was going to say, if it was you, you need to be up here preaching because I ain't done it. I've not lived that life. So don't take condemnation if you're not there. Just move to change. Don't move to condemnation. Just move to change. Let the Holy Spirit convict you on that. None of us have gotten it right. What's important, though, is this. I, I, I really like this. A lot of times what happens is we're walking and we're following the world. We're following the world. And we're going after the world. And all of a sudden we turn to Jesus. And when we turn to Jesus, everything like in that first, those first few moments, it seems awesome and it seems great. And then, you know, the devil, he comes, the word says that he comes immediately to steal the word, to steal the seed of the word. So it's like Jesus gives us mercy. We turn towards Jesus. We turn our back on the world, right? And we start going towards Jesus. And then all of a sudden, we do have an enemy. Like we're still in a world that's corrupted. This is not heaven yet. Our goal and our mission from God is to pray and to make heaven be on earth, right? Or Jesus wouldn't have said, pray this way. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand? The mission is the, is the same. Now, and let me just ask you this. Is it possible to heaven, for heaven to happen on earth? Well, if it wasn't possible, what an unjust request that Jesus made. If it, hey, I want you to pray this way. That means if you pray, you need to have faith because without faith, it's impossible to please me. So if it wasn't possible, he'd be saying, basically, go ahead and pray, but you're never going to see it. Well, that's not Jesus. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God says this, that, that when you go after the Lord, that your job is to pray, Lord, there's no lack in heaven, there's no sickness in heaven, there's no disease, people don't need deliverance from something, they don't need restored from something, they got all that in heaven. Now, even provision, man, you just need something, you turn around, kick a rock, it's gold. I mean, it's just, that's the way heaven is. The fullness of God's salvation manifested. And he said, pray this way that it'll be on earth. Now, did you see Jesus go through this life and not have, you know, some turmoil try to come up against him too? Did, didn't he have some temptation also? We're talking about somebody who lived perfect, who still had the world try to get on him. So you're not alone when you turn to Jesus and all of a sudden you run into the, uh, a fight with the devil. You run into the world that tries to pull you down. Well, you're in good company. You and Jesus. You're in good company. The difference, though, happens right there. Because right there, at that moment, Jesus did the right thing. The world's taught us to have a different reaction. The world has taught us, well, that's just normal. That's just life. No, 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 that's not the God kind of life. That's the world's kind of life. 
I don't want the world's definition. I want God's definition of life. When, what happened when that stuff happened to Jesus? All of a sudden, he turns, he runs into temptation. What does he do? He's got to get with the Father. Lord, man, I'm out in the wilderness. I done hat and ate for 40 days and 40 nights. I'm hungry. I need something. Now the devil's done come up and trying to just ruin this time. I Isn't 40 days and 40 nights enough? I can't escape the devil. You, do you think he thought those thoughts? Some people don't think he thought those thoughts, but he had a flesh just like a... He had to be tempted in this way. And so here, here's the situation where he's got to put down the flesh. And so in the desert, what does he have to do? He has to resist that devil. The same way you do. See, he had to be the perfect example and substitute. And he needed, all right, I've got something coming against me now. I need to abide in the vine. I need to abide in my Father. I need to hear what he says, and then I need to apply that thing. So he goes, he, he sits there, he gets a word from God. I'm sure that he sought the Lord in his heart and in his spirit. Lord! What do I need to tell this devil? He's telling me, make this rock bread so I can eat. He hears from the Lord. Uh-uh. Scripture comes to him. Rhema. There's the Lord, the Holy Spirit, brings a Scripture alive to him. And he says, man shall not live by bread alone. Man will live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Well, he's proving it right now because the devil's trying to steal life, steal provision from him. And right here, right in this moment, he's showing the devil and the whole world how life comes. Because after this is all over with, angels come and minister life to him. They bring him strength and food and they help him out, right? So he didn't need to turn those rocks. All he needed to do was turn to the Lord and find his strength and resist the devil. Again, over in the New Testament, whose job is it to resist the devil? It's not God's. He says, you resist the devil. So what happens is we'll turn from the Lord. I mean, we'll turn from the world and turn to the Lord and the devil's going to come. He's going to try you. It's not, you're not a bad person because the devil tries junk on you. Now see, a lot of times that's the way we live though. Oh my goodness, I had this thought. Well, so did everybody else. That bad thought. Everybody else had that thought too. It's what you do with that thought. It's not your problem that temptations come. It's do you let them linger? Do you dwell on the problem or do you start dwelling on the solution? Jesus. And so a lot of times people get beat up by the devil and then the devil turn around and condemn them because they were dealing with those thoughts. Well, he's the one who brought those thoughts in. And if it wasn't him or one of his minions directly, it was the corruption that was built into this thing that came from the father of corruption. The father of that is the devil. The whole time, this corruption in the flesh. So he is the root of that junk. And then he blames you for it. 
That'd be like me walking over here to George and Barrett and saying, mm, oh, here you go. This is a sickness, and I'm going to just inject that right there in your pocket. There's your sickness right there. And then you start coughing. <coughs> and it's like, why'd you get sick? What a weak Christian you are. Oh, my goodness, you're supposed to be a leader. Well, that's ridiculous. I'm the one who put it there. You see? I'll take it back. Thanks. It's not. Amen. So, but see, how silly is that? And yet the, the devil will bring a, a situation and then he'll blame you for being in the situation. And all we got to do is the same thing that Jesus did. What happened? He goes across. He's just trying to get to the other side of the lake. Trying to end the boat asleep. Trying to just have, hey, I've been preaching a lot. I just need a break. There's been a bunch of people. They've been pressing on me. Can I just sleep in the bottom of the boat? Master, master, we're about to die. There's waves and storm and wind and help. I, I, I think sometimes I, it's like, oh my goodness. Don't you ever thought, think he thought... Well, you know he did because what he told the disciples. But don't he's like, would y'all just handle something for once, please? <laughs> I'm trying to sleep here. Because whose job was it to resist that storm? It was theirs, which is why he got on to them. Why you got so little faith? But see, Jesus showed us how to handle that. Junk comes. We just ignore the junk and keep focusing on God. He walks up there. He's like storms. See, even the wind and the waves, they're nothing to him because they're nothing to God. If it's nothing to God, it should be nothing to you. He just looks at that. He says, peace, be still. That's all that's recorded, but I think maybe he might have been like a bunch of junk, you know, and then walked off, you know, just, he's like, what are you even trying to do? My father said, go to the other side. You're trying to come against that? And then he turns to the disciples and goes, basically, why didn't you do that? So the issue is when we turn from the world and we turn to Jesus, and we start heading his direction, he faced the same thing that you and I did. The issue is, what do you do right there? And a lot of times, you will take condemnation because we're facing it, or we don't know that we can go through it. The world's taught us that that's just life, and so we just let it happen to us. If you let life happen to you, is that following the command of resist the devil? What is the devil? Let's just define what's God and what's the devil. I mean, you would think this would be pretty clear, but let's just define it. Will you put up John chapter 10 and verse 10? This is, this is a good definition of what's the devil and what's God. I'll give you an even simpler one in a second. Look, he says, John chapter 10, he says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Job description for Satan. Satan's job description, steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it in abundance, more abundantly. The Amplified really shows the, the fullness of what the original text says. He says, to, to have life 
and have it to the full till it overflows. Makes a mess of life. I mean, it just brings life everywhere. It's like life just comes out of you and no matter who you go by, life comes on. Life comes on. Life comes on. That's the way we're supposed to be walking. So now we can see what is God and what's not. Now, how many of us have been in that overflowing life? All the time. None of us. None of us. None of us. I don't have a name tag, but it's never said Jesus. I missed it too. Don't ask Nicole, she'll probably tell you I missed it this morning. I don't even know about it. That's the funny thing. If I missed it, I don't even know. Don't, don't look. I don't even know. But see, the devil puts you in condemnation because you're beat up. Listen, you want to know what is God? And I'm going to give you even simpler than this. A thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If it involves stealing, killing, and destroying, the devil's behind it. Now the problem is, we can agree with it. And we're allowing it to happen. Like, we go to the doctor, he gives us a report, and we agree with the report about stealing our health. Instead of believing the report of God that by his stripes we're healed. And then what we do is we actually get in line with the devil. And then we wonder why God doesn't do something about it. And God's like, why didn't you do something about it and resist what was the devil's? I had no part in that. You know, before the curse, because of sin, there was none of that. That's what God brought to the table. He didn't bring any part of the curse. Didn't bring any of it. But Jesus said, I'll have life. And let me tell you, when he says life, it means every area of God's goodness. Life means the fullness of his salvation. The fullness of his salvation means you're going to heaven. And the biggest thing it means is not even going to heaven. The biggest thing that it means is you are reconnected with God. He's become your father. He's become your father. And he's, he's my loving daddy. That's, that's, the, that's the fullness of salvation. But see, it's just like this. It's like, you know, if Rachel was a part of our family because she's my daughter, here's the thing. What's the, pre, the um, principle that's set about in the word? What's the precedent? Remember the prodigal son? The oldest son, he's mad. He's upset. And he goes to his dad after he treats the prodigal son well. All of a sudden he goes to, the oldest son goes to dad. He's like, he's mad. Why didn't you give me this guy? He, he stole, he, he used you, he spent it on the wrong stuff. He didn't even know what he was talking about. But then he goes, why didn't you give me stuff? And the father looks to the oldest son and goes, everything I have is yours. Everything I have is my family's. I'm not holding anything back. The, the word says that he is not withholding one thing good. Not withholding one good thing from those they love. He's not withholding it. 
So he's not withholding life. So when you reconnect with the Father, all of a sudden what happens is you step into everything he has you have. He's not in with the curse. He's not in with sickness. He's in with health. He's in, he's in with provision. He's in with protection. He's in with deliverance. He's in with fullness in your mind, in your body, in your social ability. He's the fullness of Him. So when Jesus says, I am come that you might have life, He's talking about it all. He, Jesus Himself even prays this way. In John chapter 17, he says, I pray, Father, now here's the question before I even say this. Did Jesus get his prayers answered? Did he pray in faith? Did he sow faith on the heart of God and the promise of God? And God's not mocked whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Jesus was operating under those laws. He sowed faith on the promise of God. I promise you he received what he said. He said, Lord, I pray now, not that you would take them out of this world, but keep them from the evil one. Amen. Now, I don't know about you, but I've walked in areas where I was not kept. The reason why I was not kept is because I did not know that promise as a reality. I might have known it in here, in theory, but I didn't know it in my heart as a reality. I just had head knowledge of it. And there was a period of time where I didn't even know about it here. And so then the devil brings, you know, have what you ever watch some movie or something where you got this skilled warrior that goes up against a knob? One of them has intimate knowledge about war and warfare, and one does not. The Word says it like this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. The more we know about God, the more we can walk in what He has. The more we walk in what He has, the more we become like Christ. Our whole job and mission on this earth is to become more and more like Jesus, to grow up in Ephesians 4 to the fullness of the stature of Christ, the fullness of the maturity of Christ. That's what we are supposed to be about. Real simple thing is this, going back to this verse, the devil, bad, God, good. Real easy, real simple. If it's not good, stop accepting that report. If it's not good, don't accept it. No, don't accept that. I accept the promises of God. I accept life and life in abundance. And so stuff will happen. And, and look, the devil doesn't play fair. It's not like he, he, he comes up and he's like, okay, let me, I got these three different weapons. I'm going to try on George, right? And he goes, oh, here's a little sickness. And then George handles the sickness because he knows who he is in Christ. He knows the life. He rejects that. He resists the devil's sickness, goes away. And he goes, oh, here's a little financial pressure. And then George does that, and then it goes away. And then he goes, oh, here's a little uh, stress and strain at work. And he, then he resists that. And it's like we have this idea that everything happens so cleanly. That is not how the devil works. He's a jerk. He comes all at one time, and he goes like, Sickness, pressure, everything else, and, and have some of that. That's the way he does. Aren't you glad I held back? That's good. So that's what he does. He, he just piles on. He's like, anybody else want to attack George right now? That's the way he does stuff. 
Why? So that we will get overwhelmed. And then in the middle of it, what are we doing? We finally get to the place where we start praying and we're like, oh, Jesus, help. And, and God's like, you, you haven't even begun to prepare. All right. What? This all had a purpose. There was a cost involved in being prepared for this situation. And you haven't paid that cost. Now I'll be, the Lord, he says, I'll be merciful. My mercy is new every morning. But you got to stop. It's kind of like this. I mean, we're getting to the place where Abigail just got her license and everything. And before long, she's going to want to, you know, like go places, right? I'm not paying for that. She wants to go places. She can go places. I'm good with that. She's paying for that. I'll help her. But I'm not supporting everything she just wants to do. Why? Because she's old enough to carry some of the maturity and carry some of the load. She might not know this yet. Congratulations. When she watches it. Here's the thing, I'm expecting her at some point as she matures to carry her part of her load. The word says that we, there, we, thereby, we bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. There's a law of Christ that says that we should help one another. And that means we grow up to the place where we're able to help support one another. See, if I, I've now been born again since I was seven, how old am I? I'll be 44 next month. Glory to God. So how, how many? 37. So next month, or it's about December, I will have been born again for 37 years. That's a long time. There's a lot of y'all in here that ain't even been alive 37 years. Glory to God. Should I be walking where the Lord is having to handhold me in everything that I do? No. I should be looking more and more like Jesus every day. I should, it, for me to say, hey Lord, I'm a baby, continue to spoon feed me and just move every time I cry, that is a very selfish attitude that I am taking on. There's a cost because it says, it tells us that we'll be known by our love. Here's what that means. That means that at some point, love has to decide, I'm not just going to sit. I've got to grow up and take responsibility for who I am. It doesn't mean that he won't help me, strengthen me, encourage me, and help me. It doesn't mean that at all or even have mercy when I miss it. It just means at some point, I've got to make a decision that Jesus needs to reap what he sowed. He sowed all of him into me. He paid for me with his life. What does that mean? That if he planted his life in the ground, then what should come up? A life. Because a seed produces after its kind. In other words, if he planted in me his life, then what should I allow him to harvest out of me? This life. 
And my job then is to put on his character and nature as established all the way back in the garden. And that comes at a cost of me. The cost is me putting my flesh down. It's not, it's not that I got to work real hard and toil and by the sweat of my brow. That's cursed stuff. It's just I just have to be obedient. And where the world has taught me to pay attention to my flesh, I need to take my flesh and throw it away. I need to say, no, I'm not listening to you, flesh. I'm not listening to that. I'm going to grow up. I'm going to get to know more about God. I'm going to become more like Him. It takes some discipline. He says that those that He loves, He disciplines. That means I need to be receiving the discipline. And I'm telling you, my flesh doesn't like it. My flesh thinks all discipline is sorrowful. Every bit of it. But it's not. It's good. And when if I give myself to the discipline of the Lord, guess what? My life goes like this. Y'all ever watch The Price is Right and that little dude that goes up? Except there ain't no falling off the end. He just keeps on going. So I got all, all the Price is Right fans are laughing. Amen. That was one of my favorite ones. So I'm going after the world. I accept Christ. All of a sudden, I start going forward, it's good. I run into a problem, a situation, a temptation. The devil's attacking. He comes immediately to steal the seed of the word. Okay, he's defeated. Whoop-de-doo. Well, I don't feel good. He's throwing a whole bunch of stuff at me. It's going to be okay. The wind and the waves, they're still defeated. The storm's still defeated. Doesn't matter how you feel. Stop going off of how you feel. Go off of that word. Go off of His Word. His Word's stronger than how you feel. Lord, even if I don't know the answer, I don't know that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I don't know that I'm uh, already healed by the stripes that you took. Even if you don't know that, I know that God is good. Devil is bad. Devil still kill, destroy. Jesus' life and life to the full till it overflows. All right, this is not life to the full till it overflows. Devil, you're a liar. I'm moving through. And you move through. You can do this. Why can you do this? Because you know Jesus. Because you're connected with Him. You're connected. You're a part of the vine. You're connected with the Father. Every believer has this. That's not really the message, but we could go through and I could show you how every believer has the power of God coursing through their veins. You were made in His image. You were made with His spiritual DNA. Made in His image and likeness. Oh, Y'all, glory to God. It's awesome. You, you are an able and adequate minister of the news of God. That's what 2 Corinthians 3 says. You are adequate and able. Well, I don't feel, I, I didn't, we're not talking about how you feel. You, you live by that, you in trouble. It's like on the, on ghost, you in trouble, girl. You're in trouble if you live by those feelings. So when we start to live by paying the cost and growing up and maturing, you know the word says this. You know Jesus had to mature. In Luke two fifty two it says Jesus continued to increase in wisdom 
and stature. That word stature is maturity. He continued to increase in wisdom and maturity and favor with God and man. He continued to increase. Are we supposed to follow Christ? Then what should we do? Continue to increase in wisdom and maturity and favor with God and man. We should apply faith towards that. That comes at a cost. Why does God want us to grow up? Grow up? Why does he not just take us to heaven and we can grow up there and just hang out with him? And I mean, this world stinks and let's just go. I mean, how come we don't just get born again and zoop, go right up to heaven? Amen. That's a great answer. She said, because it's not just about us. Because guess what? If he just, we got born again, we all went to heaven. Let me ask you this question. You're born again, you go to heaven right now. You got some people here that at this point would go to hell for eternity? Who would be here to preach to them? Who would be here to help them come to know a loving father? Who would be here to model what love looks like? Who would be here to put hope on and carry hope in their life that says that hope needs an explanation to people, that people can look to and say, they have hope. They've got the hope of God. Who would be here? Let me just ask you something. You've had times in the past where you needed hope. Isn't it nice to have people that you see? I might not know what they know, but I can see there's an answer. Did that give you hope? Did the hope of other people give you hope? Oh, man, yeah. Did the hope of other people give you hope? Give you hope? See, if there weren't people that were living in this hope, you might not be at the place, you might not be sitting here this morning. There's got to be somebody who pays the cost to grow up in God. And let me tell you something. That cost, you know, we started with a scripture here. Luke chapter 14, verse 7. It says, And he began speaking a parable to the invited guest when he noticed how they had been picking out the places of honor at the table. So Jesus noticed that they were picking out the places of honor. In other words, they wanted to get the good seats. They wanted the good seats. So then it goes on and look at, he starts talking about some stuff. He starts talking about a parable and he goes on several chapters. It's a continuing theme. Go down to verse 27 and it says this. He says, look, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. All right, that word, who does not carry his own cross. The word carry there, does that involve a cost? Yeah, there's something that's given out. There's something that's given out there. And he says, if you don't give out something... You can't be my disciple. See, faith without works is dead. So you, you can say you have faith. This whole country can say, we're born again. We're a Christian nature, which, nation, which most of them don't, a lot of them don't say that, but a lot of people think that they're going to heaven. But let me tell you something. If you're not giving out something based off of that statement, that statement's not true. 
There's a cost involved. I've heard people ask the question, well, why do I need to grow? Because Jesus grew, and it's not just about you. It's about others. Here's, here's the situation. I long to have times with my family. I long for times with my family. He goes on to say this. I'm going to come back to that. He says, if he does not carry his own cross and come after me, that person cannot be my disciple. Verse 28. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? And then he goes on to say here uh, in verse 33, So then none of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. So the cost is to give up all of yourself, all of your flesh, all of your thinking, all of your reputation, all of your actions, all of your thoughts. And it's not that you lose something in it, you gain something in it. You're sowing yourself, you're sowing a life into God. Why? Because just like I as a dad, I want my kids to come to me. When Luke wants me, he comes to me, runs to me with open arms like this. This morning, I love that. He's like, Daddy, the other day I walked in and uh, he, he came to the door and he went like this. He was like, where's Mama? I was like, nice to see you too, dude. I went right on the inside. It felt awesome. No, it didn't. It didn't feel awesome. Well, you ought to be bigger than that. You get in that situation. It didn't feel good. Thank goodness we don't live by our feelings. I know he loves me. I, he just, you know, misguided right now. He loves mommy, you know. It's just <laughs> but when they'll come to you, it's awesome. Uh, Mr. Dale was here the other day. He came driving by in a combine tractor, a big one. And uh, whoo, now you talk about something that had Luke's attention, that combine tractor. He wanted that. And Mr. Dale said, come on up in here. He, was, he talked about that for weeks, Mr. Dale. That was awesome. This morning I was walking out the door, and I'd already closed the door and stepped out to the car. I was coming the way here. I didn't know this, but Rachel came running through the house opened the door and said, Daddy, I wanted to give you a hug. Bye. Oh, that felt pretty good. That's good. Where did that feeling, that desire for my kids, where did that come from? I was made in his image and his likeness. You were made in his image and his likeness. And the cost is paid because truly the Lord wants to draw all of his children to him. But it comes at a cost. It comes at a cost that when you face that temptation and you run into the problem, that you stop you know, making excuses for it and you deal with it. It comes at a cost that you give yourself to grow up in the Lord. That means you sit here and listen to me when I'm not being funny. Like that. It comes at a cost. And when you don't feel like it, you do it anyway. Because the more we pay the cost of our flesh, 
the more children come to their real father and find the solutions and the answers. And he longs to gather the children to him. You saw that in Jesus. He longed to gather his children like a hen gathers the chicks. He, he longs to take his children and love on them and, and tickle them and, and, and just be the good loving daddy. But his plan of making that happen involves you and me. It's not just about you. It's not just about me. It's about the Father and his heart and a cost. And see, but here's the thing. You can be sitting here right now going, Amen, Amen, Amen. Glory to God. I agree with you. But see, that cost is not paid as much right here in this moment. You'll make a decision and that'll help you pay the cost, but the cost actually gets paid on Monday and Tuesday when the junk happens and how do you respond? It comes when you wake up and say, did I spend time with Jesus or did I just jump on my day? It comes, the cost comes at those moments when you don't feel like it. When somebody is pulling on you and you're tired of it and your emotions and you're at wit's end and you still got to love them in Jesus' name. When you don't feel like it. Most of the cost comes when you don't feel like it. Can I get an amen? amen? But that's at the moment when things happen. There was a situation the other day, I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, I know what it was. Somebody had been asked to go and serve another person. And they did not want to really do it, probably. It cost them some sweat, cost them some irritation. You know, one person had not prepared. The other person was serving the person who hadn't prepared. Y'all ever been there? But that act of love helps pay the cost to prepare that when that person needs something, we'll be able now to have them listen because that love helped build a bridge instead of drive a wedge. And at one person, it truly cost physical strength and sweat, and it was a cost, and it took their time, and somebody didn't even do it right, but yet it will help that person to connect when they need it the most and help to grow and build them and help to build the kingdom. The cost is paid to bring this, but it comes always, the cost always comes. It comes to bring the family of God and make it bigger, a father that longs to love on his kids. But the cost always comes when our flesh doesn't want to give it. We've got to have a mind that's set ahead of time so that when we get in that situation and all the feelings are saying, I don't want to, we can say because we've already set our mind, it doesn't matter, flesh, what you want. What matters is what he wants. I'm not my own. I've already made the decision. Flesh, shut up. Be quiet. I'm going to listen right now to Pastor Brian whether I want to or not, you know, or whatever. It always comes at a time when our flesh is screaming and yelling. And let me tell you this. A lot of times it comes when you don't believe that you can pay it. Will you get that ready, J.D.? A lot of times it comes at a time when you don't even believe you're capable of doing what it takes. 
I can tell you in ministry we've faced so many times where we're like, I don't know if we can do this anymore. I don't know if we can do it. But we know that we can by the word and by his promise. So all we do is we turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, here's me. I'm not capable. I'm not enough. Strengthen me. Show me the solution. I give myself to you. And when you make yourself available to God and give him everything that's in your hand, all of a sudden, it's amazing. God becomes God in your life. And he brings about the thing that you need. Talk about good timing, you know, last night the girls had this on and was watching it, and I want you to see this, and I want you to apply it to everything I just said, and then we'll end. Go ahead, J.D. for the person you can tell me he won the state championship a decade ago. Walker Jennings. No. North Metro. Stop guessing. You know it or you don't. How about five years ago? Richland. That was three years ago. You can't remember, can you? It's me to ask a couple of questions. What's the purpose of this team? Win ball games. Then what? We get a trophy and people talk about it. Maybe, for a while. Then what? I don't know. Get a scholarship, play for college, and uh, coach Little League. <laughs> you know, Grant. Think we're just wasting our time? Our main goal is to win football games. You don't want us to win games. No. Not if that's our main goal. Winning football games is too small a thing to live for. And I love football as much as but even championship trophies will one day collect dust and be forgotten. It's just that so far all this has been about us. How we can live. How we can live. The more I read this book, the more I realize life's not about us. We're not here just to get glory and make money and die. The Bible says that God put us here to honor Him. Jesus said the most important thing you could do with your life is to love God with everything you are and love others as yourself. So if we win every game and we miss that, we've done nothing. Football didn't mean anything. So I'm here to present you a new team philosophy. I think that football is just one of the tools we use to honor God. So you think God does care about football? I think he cares about your faith. He cares about where your heart is. And if you can live your faith out on the football field, then yes, God cares about football because he cares about you. He sent his son Jesus to die for us so we could live for him. That's why we're here. 
But see, it's not just on the football field. We've got to honor him in our relationships, in our respect for authority, in the classroom, and when you're at home alone surfing the Internet. I want God to bless this team so much people talk about what we did. But it means we've got to give him our best in every area. And if we win, we praise him. And if we lose, we praise him. Either way, we honor him with our actions and our so I'm asking you, what are you living for? I've resolved to give God everything I've got. Then I'll leave the results up to Him. I want to know. Your attitude's like the aroma of your heart. If your attitude stinks, it means your heart's not right. What? How's your attitude, Brock? Huh? Then you'll be okay with the death crawl, right? Oh. All right, everybody on the goal line. Get your part on. Let's go. All right, let's go. Don't do something. Get done. Move it. Move it. Let's go. Let's go, Matt. Let's go. Let's go, Jonathan. Show me something. Get done. Show me some power. No need. Get your knees off the ground. Show me something. There you go. How strong is Westview? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. <laughs> I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, let me explain. I want you to do a blindfold. Why? I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Back. Good tight hold, dude. All right. Go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. It's going to be good effort. That way, Brock. Keep coming. There you go. Good start. A little bit left. Good left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. <laughs> That's it, Brock. That's it. Uh, 20 yet? Get the 20. You give me your best. Keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. You got to keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving. Your very best. Your very best! Your very best! Keep moving, Brock! That's it! That's it! That's it! Keep going! Don't quit on me! Keep going! Keep 
influential player on this team. If you walk around defeated, so will they. Oh, tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Right. And I count on you. Yes. What is it, Jeremy? I want one sixty. Body of Christ, you're the most influential person in this earth. And what you think you can do through Christ, you can do. And what you think you can't, you can't. But you are the most influential person on this earth. Will you pay the cost? Your father, who gave everything for you, said, I want the fullness of my family. Pay the cost. Bow your heads. You know, the cost is paid when 
most time we feel like it the least when our body's saying, I can't do it, it's too much, I can't forgive them, I can't do any more, and yet somehow somebody finds more. The question is, will it be you? But it starts with your relationship with Jesus. I can promise you this, not just in your relationship to begin with, but in paying the cost. If you get serious with Jesus, Jesus will get serious with you. I have found personally that as I give myself to the Lord and I get serious about it, he seriously allows me to be empowered by him more than I would have ever thought possible. Time and time again, after great spiritual leaders will say this, if God would have shown me what we were going to do, I would have never done it because it would have scared the mess out of me. Time and time again. Praise God that he only shares with us what he knows we can handle. We don't have to be worried about it. We're capable of so much more. We're capable of, reading, of reaching the end zone with God. But we haven't known it because the world's taught us something different. You can do great things. And you can do great things with God. Don't let the world and the devil, physical conditions, mental conditions tell you that you can't. You are made in his image and you have all the potential, all the capability of Jesus Christ within you. God is not a respecter of persons. He will use you to the greatest of your ability. Let me say it this way, the greatest of his ability. Now today, if you want to say, Lord, I'm paying the cost, I'm not, I'm, I, I want to help you gain that family. I, I want to be that kind of person that can face challenges and stare them down and know that they're going to win. I want to be that person that can reach the end zone and, and do so much more. I, I'm tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of living in the world's uh, junk. I'm tired of living and I'm going for you, Lord, and I'll pay the cost. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand. And just hold it up. Keep it up. Lord, I'm ready to be something more than what I've been. I'm ready to pay the cost and grow. And I ask every one of you, just pray this with me. Just say, Father, right now, I accept your call. Jesus, everyone say this. Jesus, you're my Lord. You're my Savior. You're the director of my life. You will never find me again not paying the cost. I believe you love me, Father. I believe that you sent your Son for me. I believe He died with my mistakes weighing on His shoulders. But I believe that you didn't leave them there. Father, you brought him back to life. And just the same way you brought him to life, you brought me back to life as well. And now I'm redeemed. I'm renewed to the fullness of the image of God and his likeness. And I will pay the cost. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Strengthen me in every way. I'll pay the cost. 
I'll resist the devil. I'll run the race. I will carry my cross. I've considered that it will cost me everything. And I'm willing to pay it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your heads back.